Hello and welcome to another episode of the R Foundations podcast. My name is Joshua. Today's episode is part two of the natural order framework. So in part one in the previous episode, we talked about the light side of the natural order. And as a brief recap, the categories for that were existence, time, and order. For existence, you had life, love, and sacrifice. For time, there was cycles, progression, and causality. And then under order was hierarchy, differentiation, and meaning. And then getting into this next section, we are going to look at the dark side. Now, I didn't do categories and principles and lay it out in as much detail for the dark side, but I did kind of contrast the light side principles, and I came up with what I thought was the natural order on the dark side. So that's what it is. Now on the dark side, you have death, predation, and chaos. And these are the key principles of the dark side of the natural order. So in today's episode, I'm going to go over those aspects. I am also going to go back to the light principles and talk about how those tie into uh, Mosaic Law, which is, uh, I guess I'm going to stick with the Ten Commandments or the Ten Words. That's the main thing that I'll go off of. But it's getting into this idea of these are very basic principles that come out of the order of our reality, but they come to us in many different forms. And the Ten Commandments would be one form of this. You could go to the Sermon on the Mount, the teachings of Yeshua, and get the same thing as well. There are many different ways to get these principles, but I will overlay the Ten Words, the Decalogue, on top of this light side of the natural order of things, and it will overlay probably very nicely. And so that's what I'll do. I'll break that down, and then should be able to get into... Uh, some overall aspects of symbolism and some examples here. And that will be at the end of this episode. So to start things off, I guess I should just say that overall, the dark side contrasts the light side. And that should make perfect sense. The dark principles are perversions of the light principles. And this will shine true for each one of these things. For example, the first principle on the dark side of the natural order is death. Everything revolves around death. Now, we do see that in nature and in our reality, things die and things end. There is a time for all things to end and a time for all things to die. But this is not positive for the subject of death or those bound by love and community to the entity that is dying or those that are counting on it. So death is something that we can see is part of the natural order. But when we compare it to all of the other principles on the light side, it contrasts each one of them. And so we know that it is not a part of that. It is something outside of that. It is on the dark side versus the light side. You could also say that death ends one's participation in the natural order 
because it does. Although it can be part of the natural order. One of the uh, aspects of the light side of the natural order is cycles, that things happen in cycles, and life and death is one of these cycles. Existence is one of the main categories of the natural order on the light side. Things exist, and, you know, of course, the opposite is true. Things don't exist. But that's kind of the whole point, is that death is the opposite of the very first principle in the light side of the natural order, and that would be life. So death is a perversion of life. Death is the opposite of light. Death contrasts life just like dark contrasts light. And that is the way that this will play out for each one of these things. So that would be the first principle of the dark side of the natural order. It would be death, which is in contrast to life, and it is also in contrast to that first category of existence. It's the opposite of existence. And moving on to the second principle of the dark side of the natural order of things, that would be predation. And this is going to be in contrast to the category of time. And I will kind of give some examples of that. But uh, with predation, what we see is that predation sacrifices the light principles of others for the profit of the self. This is the opposite of what profit should be. Profit is one of the principles of the natural order of things on the light side. And it was under this category of time. And it can be proper. And I did mention how proper profit is one of the caveats here. And it's under the principle of causality, by the way, if you're looking back at the framework there. So predation is a perversion of this. Instead of something profiting from an expenditure of energy or wealth or whatever the case may be, instead of that, someone or something is profiting off of the profit of something else or someone else. And so instead of them getting profit directly the way that it should properly be done, either either directly or voluntarily. So I gave the example of a lioness, and a lioness is the one that goes out and hunts for the tribe, and the lionesses come back, and they give that food to the male lions and to the cubs. So there is a voluntary exchange of profit between the lioness and the cubs and the males and the rest of the tribe. So that is one way to receive profit from someone else or something else. The other way to get profit is to attain it yourself. But if you are stealing profit from someone else or something else, then that is a perversion of the principle of profit. So causality is the main principle that I had talked about under the light side of the natural order. And causality is cause and effect. You do one thing, you work for something, and you reap something from that. You reap a reward. You sow and you reap. And that is how things are supposed to work in the natural order. But if instead of sowing and reaping, you sow and start to reap, but then someone else reaps it and steals it from you, then that, again, is a perversion of the way things should play out. So predation is a perversion of causality. It's a perversion of time. Time is supposed to have these cycles. It's supposed to have progression, and it's supposed to have causality. Those are the three principles. 
Well, progression is always progressing forward to a better state of life. It's always going back to that first principle of life and improving the value of life. Over time, that is the way things should trend. And it might happen in cycles where you go backwards a little bit and go forwards, but overall the trend should be forward. And that is the idea of progression. But with predation, you have the progression of one thing at the expense of the um, progression of something else. And that is not the way things should go because there shouldn't be any contradictions in these principles. And that's why, while we see predation is something that exists in the natural order that we can see all around us, it also does contradict the other principles. So it is a part of our world. It is part of the natural order, but it is on the dark side of the natural order. So when you look at how different organisms interact with each other in nature, there are two ways that an organism can interact with an organism of another species or another type. And there's probably more than two ways, but there's two ways that I'm going to talk about here. That would be symbiotic and parasitic. And I would argue that symbiotic is always better than parasitic. With a symbiotic relationship, both entities profit. Both entities gain in life. Whereas with a parasitic relationship, only one entity profits, one entity gains in life, and the other loses profits and loses life, or might stay neutral. But either way, if you look at the total sum of profit and life, under a relationship of, let's say, a symbiotic nature, then that is always going to be higher and better than a relationship under a parasitic nature. So again, parasitic relationships are something we see in nature. It is part of our natural world, but it is on the dark side, and that's why predation is one of these dark principles. I think I've mentioned this before, but if I try to get a profit myself. And let's just use human beings as an example with business and economics and money, the way that we can all understand this pretty easily. If I go out and I work, let's say that I build a deck for somebody and they give me $1,000, then I profited. I worked, I expelled my energy and my skills and my labor, and in exchange, I received $1,000. Well, good for me. In the end, the customer receives a deck, I receive $1,000, everybody's happy, things went well. Now, that is under proper profit. If we look at an example with predation, that would be where I would build a deck for somebody and then I would cheat them out of the money and I would build maybe a crappy deck and still receive the full thousand dollars, or maybe I would build the deck but say, oh, well, my costs were a lot more than I expected, charge them $2,000 for a job that really was only worth 1,000, and they would end up paying a lot more. Either way, the value overall is going to be lower in a relationship of predation than in a natural order relationship on the light side with proper profit. So those are the two ways that things can happen. Either I can build a good deck and receive money from it and both sides are happy, or the deck is lesser, or I take more from somebody else. Either way, that's some sort of predation, and either way, in the end, there is less 
and that is not a good thing. We want to increase life. That's one of the main purposes of existence. Another example would be a thief. Let's say that I go to the man who built a deck for somebody and has $1,000, and I just steal that $1,000 from them. So I was definitely a predator. That is a relationship of predation. Now I have $1,000, so I've profited. But again, in the end, what exists? There's a deck, and there is $1,000, and that's it. But the $1,000 doesn't lie in the hands that it belongs to. So that person expelled all of this labor, expelled all of this energy, and gets nothing from it. There is no justice, which is another aspect of causality from the previous episode. And so instead, I end up with $1,000. Now, I did expel some energy to go steal it from the person, and I am expelling energy and skill and all these things. And so you could say, technically, that I earned that $1,000 if you kind of get rid of more morality out of this situation. But even so, I may have earned that $1,000, but so did the other person. And there is only $1,000. It's not like all of a sudden there's 2000 There's still only $1,000. And so there is more energy expended. There is more that was put into this scenario if I steal the money from somebody else because it's their labor and it's my labor and it's still the same $1,000. Whereas in a proper scenario, it's only their labor and $1,000. So there is less labor going into it, and overall, the value is higher. And so that is another example of how predation is a perversion of not only proper causality, proper profit, proper, proper justice, but also a perversion of the very first principle of life as well. And the total value of life, we always want to increase life. That is one of the basic first principles here. So moving on to the final aspect of the dark side of the natural order, this would be the uh, contrast to the category of order on the light side. And the contrast to that is, you guessed it, chaos. So chaos is, of course, the opposite of order. But again, we do see chaos in the natural world. We see it all around us. Our reality has chaos. It has both chaos and order. There's this duality in everything, but we see that chaos is definitely in contrast and in contradiction to the other principles on the light side. So it can't be in the light side of the natural order, but it is a part of the natural order, and that's why it is one of the dark side principles. Now, with chaos, things do get unbalanced and things do go against the natural order. You know, there's always exceptions. There are always uh, externalities and different things that happen that are not within a proper order, like we see that the majority of the natural order uh, trends towards. And so chaos is definitely an aspect there, and it causes disruptions to many of the other light side principles. So for example, when you have differentiation, that was one of the principles of order within the light side of the natural order. And with, with uh, differentiation, you have each thing that has a different niche that it is the best at. We all have different abilities. We all have different skills. We all have different purposes. And these niches, this specialization that occurs within life, within the natural order, if there is 
this chaos that's introduced, there is something that is thrown off balance, then you no longer have the differentiation that comes into play to create that balance. So that could be an aspect of chaos. Or if you look at another principle of order in that category of the light side, um, we could look at hierarchy. Hierarchy is part of the natural order on the light side. But when you have a broken hierarchy and things are not in an order, there is no hierarchy, there is no leadership, there are not these roles being filled in a hierarchical sense, then there is an aspect of chaos. Chaos comes into play. That is chaos. And the same would be true of something like, let's say, community. That would be something where if things are not in community with one another, or go back to an earlier principle, the second principle of the light side of love, that life is connected, things work together, there is a natural instinct of fondness, of protection, of sacrifice for others within your species, your family, or whatever. Um, if that is not in play, if there is something broken in that, that would be chaos being introduced into that principle. So chaos is always in contradiction to all of the other principles on the light side of the natural order, because chaos is in opposition to order, and order is kind of one of the whole points of the natural order, hence the natural order being the name. And so um, I think that makes it clear enough about what chaos is. But I do want to break out one aspect here. Again, I didn't have multiple principles under each one of these categories on the dark side, but I will bring out uh, two principles under chaos that I think fit very well because in the light side of the natural order, you had that final category of order. You had the principle of hierarchy, then the principle of differentiation. Then the final principle was meaning. And if you remember, I talked about how meaning was one of the most important principles on the light side, how the first and the last, life and meaning, are some of the most important aspects of the natural order. And under meaning, I broke that down and um, basically excavated the concept of free will that comes out of this principle of meaning as well. And so if you look on the dark side, under chaos, which is the opposite of order, you have some matches to meaning and free will. And by matches, I mean uh, contradictions and oppositions and contrasts and opposites of these things. And so on the dark side, you have perversion and deceit. So if we look at the first one, perversion, well, perversion is the opposite of meaning. So if there is a meaning for things, if things have a purpose, things have a meaning, then if that meaning is perverted, then that's the opposite of uh, things having their meaning and their purpose because they are not fulfilling their purpose and they are not matching up with the meaning of whatever the thing is. And so perversion is the opposite of meaning and that is part of chaos. This is under the category of chaos here. So with this, perversion could be something like lying about meaning or it could be manipulating the original purpose of something or using it not as intended and not in line with the light principles. So this would be a perversion 
of what something should be. And so again, this is the opposite of meaning, or I guess opposite is not really uh, the proper word here. It's a perversion of meaning, but since category is perversion, it's kind of hard to say that. So um, I will try to word that differently. But the point is that in contrast to the light principle of meaning, we have this dark principle of perversion. And under that, I mentioned how one of the aspects of perversion would be lying about meaning or not... uh, fulfilling the purpose of a thing. And when we see that in nature, that's generally not a good thing, that each organism has its purpose, it has its niche, it's filling a role within the ecosystem or within a body or organism or something. And if it's not doing the role it's intended to do, then usually the organism becomes sick or you have the ecosystem that gets thrown off balance. It's introducing chaos, which is why perversion is under chaos. And uh, bringing that to the next principle, that would be deceit. So deceit is in contrast to free will. And just like free will was an aspect of meaning, deceit is an aspect of perversion. Just like I said, how an aspect of perversion is lying about the meaning, that is deceit. And uh, we do see that deceit is something that is common in nature that you have many different animals that are forced to be deceptive in order to avoid predation. And deceit is used by predators to use up the prey and to catch their prey and to do this as efficiently and effectively as possible. But the principle here, what is happening is that there is deceit. There is an aspect of lying about the meaning of a thing. And this controls free will. So I said this was in contrast to free will. With free will, everything has a choice and we have the ability to seek out a preference that we have. And so we can perform an action to seek out a preference Or if our preference is different, then we can pursue a different action. And we have that option of pursuing different actions. We have that aspect of free will. It's not just humanity. It's animals. It's all kinds of things within nature. And when you have deceit, then the free will choice is not of the same quality as it is under an honest system. And so, for example, if I see a pond beside me, and then I see a nice creek right beside that. And let's say I'm hot. It's the middle of the summer. I want to take a dip in some cool water. And I see the pond and, you know, it looks okay and all, but it doesn't really look all that great. It's kind of murky and, you know, it's probably not as cold as this mountain stream beside it. And so I look over at the mountain stream and it's crisp and clear and cold and it looks great. And I decide to do the mountain stream. Well, what if that mountain stream had some sort of like flesh eating bacteria that's going to kill me? Well, then although I made the free will choice to go to the stream, that was not the proper choice for me. If I had all the information, I would not have chosen that. And so there is this interference. I had a preference of going to the water source that would satisfy my desire for cooling off. That was my preference, and I was trying to take an action towards that. But there is this aspect of deceit, so to say, a benign deceit. It's not like the water intended to trick me or anything like this. But there is this principle, this symbol of deceit that still did exist there. And that perverted the decision that I made, my free will choice to pick the one over the other. If I would have known, then 
I definitely would have preferred to go to the pond where I wouldn't have died. And that would have been a much better choice for me. And I would have also done so out of free will. So those are two different options that I would have chosen under two different scenarios. But it's still the same scenario overall. We're still talking about having these options of the pond and the creek. But if I had more information and I wasn't deceived through lack of information, I would have made a different free will choice. So with that, you could say that that interfered with my free will. That deception controlled free will. You could look at propaganda in the same way. If people are deceived into perceiving a certain threat or perceiving a certain risk, then they might make a free will choice to try to avoid that threat or that risk. Whereas in reality, that threat or risk might not even exist. They might have been deceived into that. So even though they still made a free will choice, that free will was controlled and manipulated in a way. That was a perversion of free will that was deceit. And that is why it is one of the dark side principles. I mentioned the example of, well, I guess I alluded to the example of camouflage in nature with different animals that are camouflaged in order to hide from predators. Or maybe you could look at something like a butterfly or caterpillar that has uh, big dots on its wings or on its back end to trick predators into thinking that that's the front instead of the back or vice versa. And these are different ways that prey deceives predators. Some are bright colors in order for predators to think that they're poisonous. Lots of things like this. And so we could see that this, in a way, is a good thing. It preserves the life of the prey. So that's good. We see that it definitely exists all through nature. So it is part of the natural order. Yes, that is true. But when we see why deceit is used, it is always because of predation. It is always because they are avoiding death. It is always because of these other aspects of the dark side of the natural order. Because these dark principles exist, deceit is needed to be used. And if it weren't for these dark side principles, deceit wouldn't have a place. If everything was according to the light side, then there would be no reason or purpose for deceit. And so deceit is something that, again, does exist. It is part of the natural order, but it is on the dark side. So let me summarize all of this one more time. I know I've done this a few times and I've tried to repeat this multiple times as I go because you're listening to an audio podcast and I have an actual outline. So I can see this and it makes a lot of sense. It's really organized for me right in front of me. But if you're just listening, then that makes it kind of hard unless you're taking notes and actually writing down all these principles and putting in order and all this stuff. So I'm trying to repeat myself multiple times as far as laying out this framework so that it can help you organize it in your own mind and remember it. So as the recap goes for the whole natural order, you've got on the light side, the first category is existence. Things exist. And part of this is life, the first principle, the most important principle, I would say. The next aspect, the next principle is love, where all life is connected, works together, these kinds of things. You have these instincts of love. And the next aspect of that that builds on life and love is sacrifice. And um, I already talked about these, so I'm not going to go in detail here. But life, love, and sacrifice are all the principles of existence. And in contrast to that, on the dark side, you have death. And death is the opposite of life. Death is the opposite of existence because it's non-existence. And so that is the contrast there. Now, the second category for the natural order on the light side is time. 
we experience things in time. Time exists. And within time, you have these principles of cycles, that things happen in cycles all throughout the natural order, that you have an aspect of progression, that things are always trending towards a forward motion towards the previous principles of things like life is the main one. And so things are progressing towards more and more life. That is a basic principle. And causality, you have cause and effect. You have things that happen and things that happen as a reaction. And when they're in balance, then there is this aspect of justice. And you typically want to have a profit of some kind when you expel a certain amount of energy. You want to receive that much back plus some in order to not only just survive, but to thrive, and sometimes even just to survive. And that's all an aspect of causality. But the opposite of this category of time and of these different aspects of profit and justice, causality especially, would be predation on the dark side. So that's the dark side principle that contrasts that. And with predation, one thing is stealing profit from another. One thing is creating an injustice. One thing is halting the progression of life. One thing is getting in the way of proper causality. It's not just cause and effect. There is a proper cause and effect between one thing performing an action that should be reaping a certain reward, but then if you have predation coming in there and stealing that reward away in some way, then that's a corruption of it. It's a perversion of it. It is a dark side principle in contrast to the light side of time and causality. Then the final category on the light side of the natural order is order or structure, if you want to say that in a way that doesn't make you repeat order twice in a row. So within order, you have the principles of hierarchy, differentiation, and meaning. And these are the different ways that order is portrayed within the natural order. In contrast to this, on the dark side, you have this principle of chaos, which is the opposite of order and can infuse itself in any of these other principles on the light side. Now, with order on the light side, one of the most important aspects of this, the final principle that, um, that I'm pairing with the first principle and the last principle being life and meaning, meaning also having this component of free will, that is a very important aspect of order and of the natural order as a whole. That's what gives things purpose and meaning. That is kind of the whole point of consciousness. Like you wouldn't be able to understand things if things didn't have a meaning. So since we are conscious beings, we are sentient beings, we know that there is meaning in some way to some degree. It's part of our natural order. And we also have free will because there is meaning. And so in contrast to this, on the dark side, you have perversion. So it's not the intended meaning. There's a perversion of that, and that is a corruption of the intended meaning. And you also have deceit, which is something that interferes with free will and interferes with meaning. So deceit and perversion are both dark side principles in contrast to meaning and free will on the light side. And that wraps up all of these principles of the natural order. Hopefully those were laid out in a way that makes sense. 
And if you have anything to comment on, to add some feedback, I would greatly appreciate it. This is kind of a new thing that I've been doing over the past few months. And it's definitely built off of a lot of other research and work that I've done, but it's something that is still relatively new. And so if there is more that I can do to refine that, especially since I'll be including it in a book that I am currently writing, then I would love to get some feedback from you guys. So send me an email, rfoundations at protonmail.com. Now that I have laid all of that out and done an overview, I would like to kind of overlay some other biblical principles onto this framework. So the idea of this season is that we're looking at the early church as an alternative movement to the culture and the state, and so looking at their beliefs is what we are doing. Now that we have this framework for the natural order, we can overlay some of their beliefs onto this natural order and see how things line up. Now, I want to start off by going to kind of the original law. They would have been teaching from the scriptures, what we view as the Old Testament. And Mosaic Law is one of the most important passages, or I guess most important recorded set of words and commands that are in the Old Testament. So, With that, what I can do is look at each one of these principles and see how they match up with Mosaic Law. Mosaic Law is supposed to represent all of God's principles within a framework of a national law code. And so each one of the commandments or each one of the words, each one of the things out of that Decalogue should pair up with one or more of these principles according to the natural order. And the same should be true if you go back and read, say, Proverbs or Ecclesiastes, or if you're looking at something like the teachings of Yeshua, the Sermon on the Mount, for example. I should be able to overlay from any of these examples onto the natural order, and it should line up. That's the idea. It's similar, at least, to the idea of checking Scripture with Scripture. So if you're looking at the Bible and something doesn't seem to make sense, something seems to contradict another part of the Bible, well, the Bible doesn't contradict itself. And so what you can do is dig in a little deeper because you should be able to recognize that, hey, there's a contradiction. So more than likely, the problem is with my interpretation, not with the text itself. For example, one contradiction that seems apparent is as you read through the Old Testament, the reign of the kings in how many years they reigned is different according to which book you are looking at. And that would seem like a contradiction. If it says that a king reigned for 10 years in one book, and then in the next book, it said the exact same king reigned for 20 years, that doesn't really add up. But when you dig in a little deeper in how things were set up and how things performed in that time frame, the way that the number of years of a king's reign were recorded actually depended on a few things. So sometimes there was an overlap between the second king, between let's say it's a son taking over for the father. Well, sometimes the father is still king when the son is brought up into that hierarchy and is kind of like a co-ruler until the period in time where the son totally takes over for the father. And some would count that son's reign at the time that 
that he became co-ruler with his father. And some would count that son's reign at the time that he was the sole ruler. And there are some other similar things to that where the time frame of a king's reign might be measured differently. Maybe it's measured from the time that they begin to be king till the time that they are no longer functioning as that role, or it could be from the time they became king to the time that they died. And those could be two different time periods when they stopped functioning that as um, a member of that role and when they actually died. And so there could be a variation there. So there's a lot of different factors that could be at play. And uh, I don't have a specific example in mind, so I'm not going to give you a specific um, example of which factors are at play and which situations. It's not That's not what we're doing here. So I just want to give that example because the same should be true if we really have created a framework for the natural order of things, everything should line up for that. There should be no contradictions. If there are, then either the whole framework is bad or there is something that we're missing here. And so let's go ahead and I've overlaid some of the, well, I guess all of the Decalogue onto the natural order, at least the light side principles. So we've got the principle of life. Now, the natural correlation with that would be thou shalt not murder, because that's the opposite of respecting life. That makes sense. Now, love, I'm going to go with the Jewish view of the Decalogue. And in their view, they say that the first word, the first thing that should be counted is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. And that that first statement of God stating who he is and what he has done is the first word. So again, Ten Commandments, if you look at that translation a little more accurately, it's actually ten words. It's ten statements. It's not necessarily ten rules or laws or commandments. And so that first word would be, I am the Lord your God who rescued you. What is that? That is an act of love, that God saved them. The next principle of the natural order is sacrifice. And the idea here is that things make sacrifices. They have these instincts for sacrifices for other things is the basic principle. And the corresponding commandment or the corresponding word to that would be taking the Lord's name in vain. Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Now, in the cultural context of when this was written, someone's name is not just the vowel sounds that you say to talk about a specific person, like my name is Joshua. Well, that's not necessarily what is meant by saying name. In that culture at that time, in this context, name is more along the lines with reputation. It's somebody's name. It's their reputation. It's how people think of them. It is their character. It is these things. It is associated with their actions and with their life. So the idea here is that if you claim the Most High God as your Lord and as the one that you follow and you submit yourself to, but you do not actually do those things, you are not loyal, you are taking his name in vain. You have taken on his name, his reputation, you're saying you belong to him, you're representing him to the rest of the world, but the way you are living, your actions, your choices are going against him and you're taking 
using that name in vain. So that is one interpretation of that word, but that does fit well with the idea of sacrifice because you should be sacrificing some of your own desires and your own wills for the will and the desire of the Most High God. If you submit yourself to him, if you claim that he is your Lord and he is your God, then you should be sacrificing things of yourself for his sake and for the sake of his name. And if you're not, you're taking his name in vain again. So the next principle would be cycles. This would correspond with the idea of keeping the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. So with the Sabbath day, that is a cycle. So it's also a sacrifice. You are sacrificing the things that you would normally do, the things you'd normally get done, the things you would normally focus on, and instead focusing on God. But in addition to that, again, things do build and things do overlap. The aspect that I want to draw out here is the aspect of cycles. You work for six days, you rest on the seventh. You work for six days, you rest on the seventh. And the same is true for years. The same is true for many things according to the Jewish calendar and the way that God had set up all of these things. And again, it's the idea of cycles. Things happen in cycles. Now, the next one would be progression. And the corresponding word to this that I draw out would be to not covet. You're not to covet your neighbor's wife. You're not to covet his ox or his donkey or any of his things. You're not to covet things that you don't have that belong to other people. Now, the idea here is that what you're supposed to be doing is progressing yourself. So as you go through life, you are supposed to progress from being a child to being on your own where you can take care of yourself to taking on a wife. And I'm talking from the male perspective, obviously. You take on a wife, you start a family, you teach your children and grow them into independent human beings that can then be out on their own, and the cycle continues, but it's a cycle of progression. Your life is progressing. And if you're coveting other things, then you're not focused on the progression of your own life, which is wrong. The other aspect of this is that you should always be progressing internally, especially um, in relation to your spiritual walk, if you're talking about biblical principles here. And so the idea is that over time, you gain wisdom, you gain contentment, you gain in joy. And with these things, as you're progressing in these different areas of your life and how you view the world and how you view your status and all of these things, as you're progressing, then there should be less and less and less of an issue of you coveting something you don't have because there has been a progression of more and more and more contentment and joy with what you actually do have. And so if there is some sort of perversion, some sort of fault with your progression, then the leading fruit of that would probably be coveting. And that would be a connection there. So the next principle would be profit. And I would say that the corresponding word to that would be thou shalt not steal. And what are you stealing? You're stealing someone else's profits. You're reaping what you did not sow. There is a natural order of things where there should be profit. But if you're stealing, you're taking away that profit. Not only that, but like I explained before, there is less total value after you have expended your energy of stealing something because the other person has already expended their energy of sowing and expended their energy of reaping and there's a value that is left after that. Well, then you expend energy of stealing 
and yet the same value still exists. So there's more energy expended and the same value in the end. So you are lowering the total value at the end of this exchange of stealing. And so you are going against the principle of profit. The next principle would be that of hierarchy. And this is another one that has some overlaps here. There are two obvious ones here. The first would be that um, thou shalt have no other gods before me. You shalt not make a graven image to another god. These things, because this is talking about the fact that there are other gods. There are other spiritual entities. There are other beings that people worship, and no one is supposed to put them above God. God is the most high. God is the one that deserves the worship. These other beings are under him. And so the idea is that there is this hierarchy, an unbreakable hierarchy that you should never go against. That is very, very strong. And I put that one here with hierarchy instead of obey your parents, because that fits a little better in the next section, because it's not quite as strong and solid. So going into the next principle, that would be differentiation, that different organisms, different parts of an ecosystem, different human beings, they are all different. They fulfill different roles. They have different abilities, different skills, and they fill different niches in whatever system they're involved with. So there is differentiation. And the idea of obeying your parents, honor thy father and mother, is that they have a different role than the children. The elders have a different role than the young adults. You have priests that have a different role than soldiers who have a different role than other people. And so within the family unit, this is drawing out this principle, not only of hierarchy, because there is this hierarchy. The children are below their parents. They respect their parents. You respect your elders. You honor your father and mother. That is hierarchy, but that's also differentiation. Within the family unit, the different participants fill different roles. They have different skills and different abilities and different uh, places in the hierarchy, so to say. There is differentiation there. Now, the next principle would be meaning, and this would be technically the last principle within the light side of the natural order, and the corresponding word from the Decalogue for meaning would be, thou shalt not lie, because lying is the exact opposite of something having its intended meaning. That's what lying is, is you are speaking something that is not truth. It is not the true meaning, it is something different. And so that would be the corresponding word to meaning. Now, I would say that since I have nine principles and there are 10 commandments, I can break out the last one. So under meaning, I had talked about how there's this other aspect, and I did actually almost make it a separate principle, and I finally in the end wrapped it up under meaning. And it because it does connect with meaning and the existence has three principles, time has three principles, so I figured that order should probably have three principles as well. But the possibly fourth, but I am sticking it under meaning, principle would be free will. And the idea of free will can correspond with the commandment of not committing adultery. So the idea here is that you, out of your own free will, are committing to a specific person, or 
God uses this example of adultery over and over again for the nation of Israel seeking other gods or different people falling into traps of following other people, other gods, other nations, other laws, instead of following the Most High. And that's generally called out as committing adultery. But from a very basic level, it would be cheating on your spouse. And so the idea is free will on both accounts. Number one, you are with your spouse out of free will. That is a free will choice to be loyal to your spouse. And, you know, especially within the cultural context, it was not always a free will choice of who your spouse is, but it is a free will choice to honor and be loyal to your spouse, whoever that may be. Now, in addition to that, it's a free will choice to remain within that loyal position or to be adulterous and commit adultery and go outside of that. And so you have free will on both sides and you should choose the light side versus the dark side. And so that would cover the Decalogue, the 10 words, the 10 commandments overlaid onto the natural order. And although it's not perfect and exact, the principles do match over pretty well. I do realize now that it has been a little longer than I expected, which does happen as you know, so I will not be getting into symbolism quite yet in this episode. I will save that for the following episode, and while I have not made an outline for that episode yet, my guess off the top of my head would be that that would include both symbolism as well as some more specific application of these principles of the natural order. And so instead of just looking at this more I guess, esoteric kind of overall macro framework for this philosophic uh, underlying of reality. Let's actually get into that and apply that to real world examples, to issues that we deal with in our own society, to controversial things that are going on. And necessarily, I will be stepping on a lot of toes. So on one hand, I apologize for that. On the other, just deal with it because that's just the way things are. If you go back a few episodes ago, I did talk about idealism versus reality and that the view of the early church, and in my opinion, what the view of all of us should be, is that we seek the ideal. There is an ideal and we should always be seeking after that, but none of us will ever 100% hit the ideal. We might make progress, but we are never going to hit 100%. And so with that, what do you do with that? Do you just say, oh, well, screw it. I'm not going to seek after it anyway. I'm never going to hit it. Therefore, I won't even try. Well, no, no. You still try to do the right thing. You still try to live a moral life. You still try to show love to other people. That is what you try to do, even though you know you're not going to hit it. So, I am stepping on my own toes here as well as I get into applying the natural order because I am also not perfect. I am far from perfect. And you are too, just like all of us. So again, the natural order is the ideal. Falling in line with the natural order of all reality is the ideal for all of us. But none of us actually do that fully. And so just, I am giving that disclaimer now. I'll give it again next episode because I don't want to upset anyone any more than 
is necessary. And so that is what we should be doing in the next episode. Hopefully I'll be able to get that together and get some good examples there and do some application. And I will also be able to get into symbolism. I am not really sure what comes after the natural order, to be honest. I don't have the outline for the whole season in front of me. So we'll just see and I will keep you in the loop as of probably next episode. With that, I think I will wrap up this episode, and I would definitely like to say thank you to everyone who is listening. Thank you to those who have left reviews and ratings. That is extremely helpful. And definitely thank you to the patrons on both platforms, Subscribestar and Patreon. As far as I know, I do not have any regular cryptocurrency supporters, but if I do, I'd love for you to let me know, and I will definitely give you a shout-out on the show as well. So I have also done a few more interviews lately. Over the past month or so, I feel like I've done quite a few, probably four or five, and I've mentioned a few of those already on air, but there are at least two that I can think of off the top of my head at least that have not been published by the interviewers. And there is another that I will be doing in the next day or two. I think it's tomorrow. I need to double check my calendar on that. Um, but that will be an additional one. So there's at least three interviews that I'm doing with other shows that I will be informing you about as soon as those get published. And both of the ones that I've done uh, fairly recently have been really good. I've really enjoyed them. I think they were very good episodes, and I would highly recommend them, not just because it's me, but because I think they went really well and they pair really well um, with the things we're talking about. It's a lot of similar content, but a lot of times it wraps it up together from a different perspective, drawing in lots of different components, and that can be very helpful. So I will definitely give you an update on that. So if anybody wants any more information, I do have a website for the podcast. There are links there with some different resources, things that I have read and that I listen to and that I draw information from that is not technically up to date at all, but it is at least a good base and a good starting point. I update that generally every six months or so. That's not something I do extremely regularly, but there is information there and you are always welcome to email me and just ask if you wonder where I got something from or some resources to look into on a certain topic. I will give those to you directly and I do not mind doing that at all. In addition to that aspect, there is also, as I mentioned before, the Patreon page and Subscribestar page. There are links in the show notes. So if you want to support the show, if you believe that this content is very important to be out there for free for other people to listen to, then I ask that you voluntarily come and give money, donate money to the show, and that money will go to the show. And so that will be used to produce this show now and into the future, as well as all the resources and subscriptions and hosting and all of that kind of stuff. I do have plans that I want to do in the future as well. So hopefully as the listenership and support increases and progresses over time, hopefully I'll be able to get into a few new things as well. I'll stop there. Thank you very much for all of your support of all kinds. Thank you for listening. I'm out. Peace. This has been Our Foundations Podcast. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>
拜拜。